0: Good evening and welcome to Here There Be Monsters, Bare Bones. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. Thank you for tuning in to another installment of the Bare Bones series. It seems everyone is enjoying listening to them as much as I am making them. So, without further ado, let's get started. Tonight I have two stories to share with you. Our first is a story that takes place nearly 60 years ago, but that doesn't stop it from being relevant even today. The following is Posey's Tale. In 1958, my parents and siblings and I went to visit my mother's parents, who lived back in the mountains and rolling hills of Danville, Virginia. Whenever it started to get dark, Granny would always say, It's time for y'all chaps to come inside now, because the wild man will be coming out soon. I was seven then, and always imagined a skinny, little unshaven cartoon caveman running around in a leopard skin carrying a big club. I thought it really was just another boogeyman story to keep us kids in line. At least that's what my older brother Chuck said it was when I asked him about it. The next day, my Aunt Beulah's two sons, Billy and Jimmy, took us with them into the woods as they went to gather some firewood. Billy and Jimmy took to showing us various wild berries, plants, roots, and mushrooms we could eat, and those that were poisonous and should not be even touched. We came upon a clearing that was surrounded by tall trees, and Jimmy said it would be better if we spread out a little bit and looked. The truth is, this was only an adventure for me and Chuck. This was just another chore for them. Bored, they climbed two of the giant trees in the clearing and watched Chuck and I as we did their work. I was assigned the kindling while Chuck was told to look for bigger, thicker branches. Basically, they knew that we wouldn't find anything in that clearing, but that way they could keep us busy and keep an eye on both of us at the same time. I was getting frustrated because I couldn't find anything. Then I went to the edge of the clearing and saw that it dropped off onto a lower level. I saw what I thought to be a pile of twigs and branches, so I jumped down and ran over to it. As I neared the pile, I found myself not standing before a mound of twigs and branches, but in front of what looked like an igloo woven with branches and sticks, or a big upside-down bird's nest. I immediately started calling for Chuck, and in a matter of seconds, he and my two cousins were there standing on top of the bank. They were all out of breath and pale with worry as they looked down on me. "'What the hell are you screaming like that for?' Billy asked." "'I thought a damn snake had got a hold of you,' Jimmy scolded me. "'They had gotten there so fast that it startled me. "'They must have started to run toward me when they saw me jump down off the bank.' "'What did you come down in here for anyway?' Chuck asked between gasps. "'Look at what I found,' I said happily, pointing to my discovery. "'I ran over and started to crawl into the opening. "'Boy, get on out of there,' Jimmy screamed. "'That could be a bear cave.' "'That ain't no bear cave,' I countered. "'You can look right through the branches.' You can see there's nothing in there. Yeah, but Bear might be coming back. We need to go, Billy said, to end the conversation. Let's go. I think we got enough wood anyway. We never spoke about it again after that day, but I never let it leave my mind. Then, last year, MonsterQuest did a program on what they called the Grassman of Ohio, which I believe was another name used for Bigfoot. I was cooking and not really watching it until they flashed a picture of the thing I found that day in the woods with Chuck, Billy, and Jimmy. There is also a documentary called Southern Fried Bigfoot, and they talk about the fact that Bigfoot has a lot of different names depending on the locality it's seen in. But is it all the same, or is it a similar creature? The name they commonly use in Virginia is the Wild Man. In fact, when you enter Danville, there is a sign that says, Welcome to Danville, home of Bigfoot. Thank you, Posey, for submitting your story. It certainly is very detailed. I myself have come across similar structures in the woods and fields back in Ohio where I grew up. In my case, however, I was not convinced that anything of any intelligence inhabited them. It seemed like the structures did very little to shed the sun or the rain. Of course, that's merely my experience. Who's to say what you actually stumbled across back in 1958? Thank you again for submitting your story. Tonight's second story is very interesting to me, but I'll discuss that after I've shared it. I was three or four at the time, but I'll never forget it. I was with my two older cousins in their teens, and my sister, my grandma, and their two uncles. They were all out back playing a card game, laughing and completely oblivious to us. There was no one else in the home. We were in the living room looking down the long hallway, about 15 to 20 feet, and the light was on in the hallway. In the back bedroom, someone covered in a sheet kept coming in and out of that room. The sheet had eye and mouth holes just like your typical ghost in a sheet. We were all so scared and wondering, who was that? I kept running back and forth to check on my grandma and my uncles to see if they were playing a trick on us, but they were there playing cards and laughing, oblivious to anything else. Growing up, I believed it was just a hoax, but I recently contacted my cousin and asked him, and to my surprise, after 20 years, he told me that it was real. There was no explanation, except that my great-grandmother used to cover herself in a sheet while she walked around the house at night. But that wouldn't explain the holes for the face. I mean, I don't know. I've heard spirits display themselves in whatever way they want to individuals, so I don't know. I just know that I can't explain what I saw that night. Thank you so much, Submitter, for sending your story in. The obvious observation from this story is its ties to the classic ghost appearance. The standard description of a ghost for a majority of the previous century was that of a sheet-covered specter. The image was made famous by films such as Beetlejuice, The Conjuring, and Paranormal Activity 3. You might think Hollywood created the now-famous image, but that's simply not true people in the English-speaking world have been depicting ghosts in just this way for hundreds of years, and there is a good reason for it. Until relatively recently, a wooden coffin was a post-mortem luxury that was far too expensive for many people. In fact, only the relatively well-to-do could afford coffins in which to bury the remains of their departed loved ones. That meant the corpses of poor people, and there were a lot of those, had to go coffinless. So instead of boxing their dead, the poor shrouded their bodies for burial by wrapping them in a winding sheet. A white cloth that bound and covered the corpse head to toe. And Whenever a mischief maker wanted to frighten someone by pretending to be a ghost, he used the white fabric to give himself the appearance of a body that had just crawled from the grave. That said, it's hard to say what our submitter witnessed that day. It's entirely possible that someone was simply playing a mean trick, Or perhaps the memory of such an early event is distorted slightly. But still, it's entirely possible that the shrouded dead returned that fateful day, displaying themselves in the only way they knew how. And that's it for this evening. But before I go, don't forget, if you have a story to share, the 24-hour hotline is always open. Just simply call one 888 608-NIGHT And lastly, be sure to check back every Thursday for the latest full episode of Here There Be Monsters Podcast in addition to these mini episodes. Alright folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.